Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition, looking at how the banking industry is adapting to the new normal as the world just begins to recover from the global pandemic. I'm Joy McKnight, editor of The Banker, and my guest this week is Kim Hochschfeld, who's Global Head of Cash Business at State Street Global Advisors, to talk about the money market fund industry. Thanks so much for joining me, Kim. Thank you for having me, Joy. So let's start with the market volatility that hit about a year ago now, March 2020. What is your take on what happened? Well, what happened last year was truly unprecedented. Really, never in history has there been such a complete stoppage of economic output in such a coordinated manner and in such a short period of time. Even if you look back to how governments dealt with wartime situations, um, it was a much more gradual stopping of, of normal day-to-day life. It didn't happen in the course of several weeks, which is what happened to us in, in March last year. The entire world just put their working life on hold and there was a huge amount of uncertainty and consequently panic and then an exceptional demand for liquidity, which affected all financial markets. So. As market participants looked to generate um, liquidity to shore up their own positions, they tapped the various sources of liquidity that were available to them. And in the money fund industry, where we pride ourselves on providing liquidity to our investors, we were a natural source um, of, of potential liquidity for investors. And that's why they came to us and we saw a huge draw on liquidity in the money market space last March. Yeah, we saw central banks doing as much as they possibly could and in a very, very short amount of time. Yeah, we often talk about the fact that it was probably really helpful that we had the general financial crisis in, back in 2008 because there were a lot of monetary policy programs that were already in place in the cupboard. They just needed to be pulled out and dusted off and, and reactivated. And it helped that they were they had been tried and tested in the last crisis. And, and that was a huge part of their very speedy recovery. You know, if we look back um, at what markets have done since last end of last March to now, it has been a spectacular asset price recovery. Yeah, of course, hugely helped by all the fiscal and monetary stimulus that has been thrown at the markets. So in a nutshell, it was a tough time in March for the money fund industry. You know, really interestingly, the industry is at an all-time high in terms of assets under management, both in the US and in Europe. But there's been a lot of talk about changing the regulations surrounding money market funds. You know, do you think that more regulations are needed to improve resiliency? We feel that money market funds are being unfairly blamed for the market illiquidity that happened last March. Yeah, and the crux of the issue in March was not that money market funds saw runs on their assets, but it was the inability of dealers to intermediate in both the treasury and the credit markets. So money funds didn't cause or even exacerbate the turmoil in the markets last year. We feel that playing a role in these markets and the fact that we're such a key player in the short-term markets means we're being unfairly um, singled out for it. Um, And the regulatory noise has been that money funds have structural vulnerabilities, which caused some of the crisis. Um, Actually, we would argue that money funds met redemptions for their investors. There were no investors that got burnt. It was merely a liquidity crisis. And um, we would argue The reforms did work. They definitely need some tweaking, but it wasn't the fault of money funds that we saw the meltdown um, last March. You know, 
I would also say whether or not further regulations for money funds are needed is, is pretty much no longer up for debate. It, it is going to happen, whether we like it or not. Clearly what's under discussion is what type of further regulations are going to be imposed on, on money funds. And at SSJ, we are very much an active participant in this discussion. And we and the rest of the industry have been very vocal that reforms need to be looked at holistically across the short end of the market and not just targeted at money funds. You know, we feel very strongly that the outcome of any review process um, and any subsequent reform should be targeted as much on addressing the underlying issues observed during the market related stress, which is really a liquidity driven episode caused by you know, black swan event. Um, rather than a fundamental problem with the way money funds operate. Because there seems to be uh, some, you know, big concerns around unintended consequences of new regulations. And you addressed a little bit about it there in terms of looking at things in a holistic way. You know, what are the main concerns with, you know, some of the proposals that are coming forward in terms of new regulations? Well, let me start by answering that question by looking back a little bit. And we look at the previous round of reforms. And whilst, yes, they were largely effective, the experience in March did definitely demonstrate that some of the provisions didn't operate quite as the regulators intended. And that's particularly the link between the 30% weekly liquid asset threshold that money funds are obliged to maintain and the possibility of fees and gates being imposed. And there's a lot of talk in the industry about that being a bright line. Investors were watching very carefully as funds came close to that 30% weekly liquid asset threshold and started withdrawing their cash. But what it meant is actually all of these money funds, we were sitting on tons of liquidity, but we actually couldn't use it. We couldn't touch it because we mm. had a 30% weekly liquid asset bucket um, that we could have liquidated and, and monetized. But our investor behavior made us unable to, to touch that, that bucket of liquidity. So yeah, we would be very supportive of regulators looking more closely at this rule and making the necessary adjustments around that. Um, and that is certainly the consensus within the money fund industry. You know, when we think about some of the other potential unintended consequences of, of some new regulations that might come out, yeah, I also think it's it's worth just stopping to consider whether re-regulating prime money funds really, to, to the extent that they become either unprofitable or unattractive, um, unprofitable to run or unattractive to investors, whether that makes the most sense, particularly given that they provide a cheap cost of financing to to banks and for other financial institution institutions, and the fact that in a normal market environment, they do give investors an incremental yield over a government fund. So if they are consigned to um, the, the dustbin, shall we say, by regulation, because either they're too unattractive for investors to, to use or too expensive or risky for, for managers to run, then you're going to have short-term issuers that currently tap the, the CP and CD markets that are going to have to be forced to find alternative funding sources. So yeah, that might be one, one unintended consequence of, of over-regulating mm. prime funds. As a, an extension of that, there, there's a risk that investors are, 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 are prevented from accessing a very valuable investment proposition, which is a prime money market fund, whether it's a prime fund in the US or an Alvina fund in Europe. 
And if that happens, that's actually going to further diminish market liquidity. And it's not clear to us how this would be a good outcome when we're responding to a market-wide liquidity event, i.e. there was a lack of liquidity. So market liquidity risk is really much bigger than prime money funds. If you reform prime money market funds to the extent that cash reallocates away from prime funds to the short duration markets, that doesn't actually eliminate liquidity and run risks. And I think that's something that you know the regulators um, are debating and, and struggling with. Um, the, the other argument we would make uh, against getting rid of prime funds um, is in in the event that reforms push money into other parts of the fixed income markets, whether that's to deposits, whether that's to mutual funds or, or elsewhere, this actually takes away some of the transparency in the, in the funding markets, um, given that money funds have such um, strong disclosure requirements at the moment. So some people might say, oh, that's not a big deal, but if you have less transparency, that doesn't necessarily, again, mitigate your liquidity and run risks either. Another issue that the regulators would need to bear in mind, which is which is specific to European domiciled investors, is if LVNAV funds are no longer on offer for them, there is a lot of accounting ambiguity around the use of VNAV funds and um, whether they would be classified as cash and cash equivalents. And you might see um, money flowing out of the money fund market into alternative products without that accounting clarity. So there are a lot of unintended consequences of, of reforming prime or LVNF money market funds. Are there any solutions or changes that the industry is putting forward to the regulators to try and sort of um, head off regulations coming in that might have these uh, unintended consequences? The industry has been very vocal and very proactive in, in responding to the requests for comment, um, to particularly to the president's working group that put out some proposals on, on money fund reform. Um, as well as uh, to various European regulators um, through a variety of different industry associations. So I can talk specifically about SSGA. We, we've been very proactively engaged with policymakers across the globe, and we've provided a lot of input on some of the suggestions um, that are floating around in the ether. We really believe that the regulations, the new regulations, need to focus on the challenges that were revealed during last March um, in the market stress. So the usability of a fund's liquidity and delinking the fees and the gates from the 30% weekly liquid asset threshold. Um, that, as you, you might know, is a, a common thread that runs throughout the money fund industry, whether in the US or in Europe. Mm. And it appears that regulators are really listening to this message and we expect there would be an adjustment along those lines. Another key part of our framework um, that, that we would suggest to the regulators is that whatever they do, we would recommend that there, they ensure there is an ongoing viability for prime or LVNAV money market funds. So some of the suggestions that are, have been put out there were put out there in 2008, um, capital buffers or minimum balances at risk or a liquidity exchange bank. We, we do believe that that will effectively kill the prime or LVNAV product and make it unattractive either for managers or investors or both. So. Um, whatever they do, we would we would encourage them to to bear that in mind. Um, Prime or LVNA funds do need to be viable. We believe very strongly that regulators need to address the underlying market structure issues. And there's been a lot of discussion on market liquidity 
and bank capital requirements, which incentivized dealer behavior last March, um, which exacerbated the liquidity crunch. And we really encourage the regulatory bodies globally to think about reforms holistically, not just with money funds, but also with all the short end market players. Um, and lastly, we do believe that any future reforms should be focused on avoiding the need for external support, whether that's from a parent or a central bank. So notwithstanding that, we also believe there should be a recognition that during periods of extreme market stress or black swan events, normal functioning of the short end of the market might only be restored through policymaker intervention. So that's really the framework around which we've built some of the suggestions that have, that have gone back to regulators. I mean, if any of our of your listeners are interested in more detail, there is a um, all the written submissions to the SEC in response to the PWG, the President's Working Group mm. suggestions are posted on their website um, and our public documents. So um, the major money fund players in the in the US have all responded. Um, um, and there, you know, there are some some differences in the detail, but essentially delinking the fees and gates and the 30 weekly liquid asset threshold is, is very universal, as well as the fact that regulators need to think about this holistically. So what is your personal view on how to fix, and I put fix in quotation marks, air quotes, <laughs> uh, the money market uh, industry? Um, you know, do you, do you think it needs to be fixed as such? <laughs> Another another tough question to answer, Joy. You, you know, it's absolutely clear there's no silver bullet here. So for as long as there have been markets, there have been periods of illiquidity. You, you can never fix that in inverted commas. Uh, this, the stress in March, last March, was a market-wide event and solutions will not be found through reforms to money funds alone. It was a liquidity issue last March, so absolutely solutions should be tailored to address those particular challenges. But we need to think about this in a broader sense. And as I've said before, the right approach is, is not necessarily just to impose draconian measures on, on prime and LVNAV money funds, but really to focus on enhancing liquidity provisions in the short end of the market um, so that it, you ensure that market participants are able to meet liquidity redemptions without severely in, impacting uh, prices. So, um, there is no easy answer. Um, if there was, somebody would have found one already. So you know, mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of the old ideas are being um, recycled and, and dusted down and slightly tweaked. Um, so you know, what, what central banks did to restore liquidity last March, it worked. Um, and as you know, it's depressing to say, but maybe they might be obliged to continue to operate in that way. Um, you know, if you look at money funds, the, our ability to sell debt back to broker dealers has been significantly impacted um, post GFC reforms and mm. um, uh, under the bank capital requirements of Basel III. So, um, yeah, it's clear that the, the banking reforms have altered the incentives and the ability for blanks to, to play their traditional intermediation role. And, and maybe that's where this, the, um, regulators might have to step in and, and fill the gap. Um, yeah, just thinking of some other themes, you know, it, clearly technology is playing a much larger role in providing market liquidity. So we would expect that to continue to disintermediate some typical liquidity providers. Um, investors are also changing the way they think about um, prime versus government funds. 
um, some managers are reconsidering what prime or LVNAV funds they run. So the market is definitely adjusting as well um, as we're in this wait and see mode um, as to what regulations come out of the global authorities. Okay, great. And you mentioned a few trends there. Are there any other trends that you're seeing uh, in the industry that you can comment on now? Yeah, look, uh, you know, over the last um, 10, 12 years um, since, since the last crisis, really institutional liquidity investors have had to think much more carefully about the balance between liquidity and yield. Um, and that's largely been driven to the money fund reforms that came in um, in 2016 in, in the US and 2017 in Europe. And it really fundamentally changed the way prime funds are viewed as a cash management vehicle. So um, a lot of investors have had to think about cash segmentation much more carefully. And so balancing the use of government money funds, for example, for, for, for real liquidity, and then taking cash that they probably don't need on a daily basis and moving to um, prime fund or ultra short or short duration strategies. So, um, yeah, we see in Europe that standard VNAV funds are used as a, a cash management tool by, for many corporate investors um, for portions of their cash that they might not need on a, on a daily basis. Mm. So, yeah, another trend we see playing out is, is the move away from commingled um, credit strategies. Um, that's not just specific to Prima LVNAV funds. But we see that across a variety of, of client types and, and sectors um, and um, investors are more interested in owning their own liquidity pool and owning their own liquidity risk um, in a customized strategy. And this might provide a more stable asset base during times of disruption, but that's still to be determined. Um, so we are seeing a much increased interest in ultra short and short duration strategies also in using ETFs for uh, as a liquidity management tool. All of these different options have different complications and, and mm. um, issues that need, need solving that were taken for granted when using a prime or an LVNAV money fund, but we are definitely seeing increased interest there. And then totally away from, from regulation as such and, and a change not being driven by regulation is the global interest that we are seeing in ESG strategies and how they fit into mm. a money, money fund portfolio. So that is definitely something, um, an area of interest that is you know, encouragingly growing. Um, we're seeing quite a lot of different product choice out there. Um, we haven't yet quite seen the flow of assets that you might have expected at this stage. Um, the European market, particularly um, the continental European market, is much more advanced than either the UK or the US in this, mm. in this regard. But that's a, a trend that you know, we, we will definitely continue to see over the coming years. Well, that's excellent. Thank you so much for your insights, Kim. It's my pleasure, Joy. And thanks to our audience for listening. Keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcasts. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, 
What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley fletcher Bryant, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.